intubating patients. Finally, she ended up in UCSD ICU in La Jolla on a ventilator in order to extend her life. Now, thank God when she passed. Thank God that mom came to faith several years before that. Not all as blessed as my mother was when they were on the deathbed and later expired. Now, we don't really know the will of God, although we speak much about that in such times, do we not? Even recently in Sunday, I have had occasion to minister to you as yesterday. Things may look very dismal and very hopeless, humanly speaking, but we know that not all things are possible. That God has a power to save. Paul says, in meekness, instructing those who oppose themselves, that God peradventure give them repentance, and acknowledging the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who have taken them captive at his will. Peradventure, which is a Middle English word that means perhaps, that perhaps God might grant the gift of repentance and faith. So, not all things are possible. Don't forget that. When the Son of God is beside you, there is hope, such as in our story that you heard, you read in the Word of God. When the Lord Jesus was crucified, he prayed for those who crucified him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They thought they were carrying out justice in the case of some. In the case of others, they were doing it out of ignorance. Ignorance of the one that was, in fact, their very Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And yes, because of unbelief. Think about that. He was on that cross, that very cross, at that very time, to purchase forgiveness. Even for some of them, like it says in the Bible, in whom we have forgive, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. He prayed for those who crucified him. He prayed, he fulfilled what he teaches us to, to do in loving our enemies and praying for them who persecute us and do good to them who despitefully use us and persecute us and say all manner of evil against us falsely. Like the centurion who headed the execution team that put him on the cross, that put him finally to death in, in verse 47, when he saw what was done, said, it was said that he glorified God and said, certainly this was a righteous man. Now, Maybe he was saved already, but maybe not. But can it be said of him what was said by our Lord to a scribe in another place in Mark 12, 34? Mark 12, verse 34. And this scribe answered the Lord with the word of God. Lord said to him that answered discreetly, wisely, 
He said to him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. A centurion was not far from the kingdom of God. I can say that much. Especially knowing what he believed before that event. Who were crucified alongside of him. They were not far from the kingdom of God either in that they were side by side with the Son of God. And there were two. And they were both called malefactors, which is the Greek word for criminals. They were tried and being executed for not thievery like petty theft, but for probably insurrection and uh, doing things like what has been done by some in our fair city, like in La Mesa, when they burned down two banks and stole all the money. And others who would raise down the downtowns of cities like Portland, where, I, where my wife and I passed through and going to visit an alien relative in Corvallis, Oregon. They're also called thieves in Matthew 27, 38. Matthew 27, 38. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And they were both no different from the other as you will see as you read further down to verse 44. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. That's a very interesting expression. They, 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 they cast something in his teeth like they threw something and, and it hit his mouth and it hit his teeth. Uh, it's just an expression of not wanting to hear what the Son of God has to say. In another place in Mark 15.32, Mark 15.32, there there's another commentary on the spiritual condition of these two thieves that were hanging on either side of the cross of Jesus Christ, on crosses. In Matthew 15, 32, it's a little bit more clear. It says that Christ, the King of Israel, descended now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him revived. They were no different from one another at this point, as far as the testimony of two of the gospel writers, and no different from the taunting, unbelieving crowd that gathered around Calvary. Calvary. The chief priests, the scribes, the elders, the Jews, the rulers of the Jews, the centurion and the soldiers. That doesn't sound like a child of God is speaking, does it? For children of God. Something must have happened to one of those thieves. I like to say it was the one on the right hand of Jesus. Because the Bible talks about the right arm of God being salvation. 
In Psalm 98, it says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. The Lord is himself between the two. The very mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, and between the two sinners. Of whom it is said by the Apostle Paul, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. He is willing to save all classes of men, from kings and all who are in authority, such as Pontius Pilate and Herod, to the hard-working, tax-paying citizens of the land, down to the criminals who are on death row. It says in the word of God, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Someone said, he saves to the uttermost those who are to the guttermost. And what an apt saying that is. And let me say, that is not just thieves, not factors of criminals. But all of us find it, because there's none righteous, no there's none that understand it, there's none that seek it after God. All we like sheep have gone astray. There's none good, no, no. Jesus stood between them and an eternal hell. They both knew that. They knew where they were heading. They knew this was their last day on earth. Something must have happened in the heart of one of them, the thief on the right hand. Under the circumstances, you would think that both of them would have turned their hearts over to Jesus. But not so. But one of them did. Listen in on their conversation as they hung above the people who were below them, conversing one with the other. First the thief on the left to Jesus. In verse 39. If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. It, it seems like those who, who are in a, in a similar predicament of, of, of facing this dark, somber shadow of death. Pray something similar. It seems as though the focus is, is just on the physical, on this present life, and on how I can do what needs to be done or have done to me what needs to be done to remain in this present life. Now the thief on the right then says to the thief on the left, rebuking him, Dost thou not fear God? Seeing thou art in the same condemnation as Jesus. And we indeed justly, in other words, we deserve it. For we, we are receiving the reward of our deeds, the due reward of our deeds. This man hath not done anything amiss. It wasn't just Pilate who who made that conclusion, that assessment of the Son of God, but this thief on the right. And then the thief on the right turns to the Lord, who is in the center, and, and, and asks the Lord, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. 
Lazarus so called because the person For like the thief on Jesus' right hand did, finally. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. You got it. You're good to go. Two concluding thoughts I leave with you. And one is first. Based on this example of God's sovereign grace, I believe in sovereign grace. I don't believe in free will. There's no such critter in the universe or in, in God's book. I believe it's all of grace. Based on this example of God's sovereign grace, we have hope for those we care about in this life. It says in Romans 8.24, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he have hope for but if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. We wait patiently for it in prayer. On our knees, in our prayer closets, at the family altar, at the throne of grace. And secondly, like Zechariah, prophet of old once said, we are a brand plucked out of the fire. But let's keep in mind, while that is true, that we have been plucked out of the fire, we who are saved. Peter points out, and if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? That we have been brought into the kingdom of God by the little skin of our teeth. Have you heard that expression? So let us not wait until our nearest and dearest are finally on their deathbed awaiting the call of God to try and give them the gospel. We, not, we may not be able to have entrance into the hospital to do so. And even if we did have entrance, as some are able to do now, that they weren't able to do for all last year and even the previous year. A loved one of yours may not be able to hear the gospel anymore. And then where will they be? So we need to plead for the souls of men prayer and need to plead for their souls with the gospel. I'll read you a closing scripture from Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. He will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Notice that, abundantly pardon. Christ, our Lord, said of himself, I have come, that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly.
And this is for anyone who comes. I believe in sovereignty, in God's sovereignty. And that is why I believe also in man's responsibility. And that when one hears the call of the Son of God, come to me and follow me, they do. Shall we pray? Well, Father, we are thankful. We are thankful for the hope of the gospel. We are thankful that, Lord, you are not a respecter of, of circumstances. You are not a respecter of time. You are not a respecter, Lord, of our infirmities, our unbelief. Lord, you work through them or above them or in spite of them because you are the God of all grace. And we thank you that you are supreme. And we delight in you because you are just that. And we humble ourselves to you now with grateful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we will sing uh, hymn 580. So let's stand as we sing this hymn. 
have, uh, uh, have the Lord's Supper. And, uh, give you the Lord's words of institution. Listen to the words of the institution of the sacrament of our Lord's Supper. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed to bread, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The Lord's Supper is an institution of Christ that is to be observed until he returns as a commemoration of his sacrifice, his death on the cross. And the physical elements of bread and wine serve to represent and as signs and symbols, the seals of his covenant of grace. They signify our forgiveness or remission of sins, and also how we are nourished in and grow up in him, in Christ. And also it is a bond or covenant and pledge of the communion of all believers with him and with one another as members of his spiritual body, which is the church. And with that, uh, we renew, and as with our partake, we, we are renewed in our covenant, as it were, in the promise especially of our being faithful to him in the duties of the children of God, out of gratitude for salvation. But we must consider our sins and our cursedness apart from Christ and realize that those things that we do, even on a daily basis, displease him. And so we must humble ourselves and ask for his forgiveness each day, especially before we partake of the Lord's Supper, that we may determine with all of our hearts to walk within you. And so those who are uh, living in sin, secret and repentantly living for the world, should not approach the table of the Lord. Because to do so is to eat and drink judgment to yourselves. Now the word in the King James is condemnation. It's, it's not condemnation in the sense of eternal condemnation, obviously. But it is one of temporal judgment. And in some cases, some have been taken out of this life. The Apostle Paul would say, because of would not be repentant. Nevertheless, this supper is, is designed not for, uh, well, I should say, not to keep those who are humble and of a broken and contrite heart away from the table, because we're all wretched sinners deserving of eternal hell. Let's face it. But even as such, when we come at his invitation to a supper, that that brokenness and that that desire for his grace and forgiveness, we will receive that. And so we come resolved to deny ourselves and to take up our 
cross and crucified our old nature in order that we might follow Christ anew, afresh, as those who, as becoming of those who bear his name. And so with that, I'd like us to pray at this time, and so shall we pray. Our merciful God and gracious Father, we praise you and thank you for the suffering. We cherish, Lord, this blessed memory of your bitter death for Jesus. Please work in our hearts by your Spirit that we may have in you the confidence to give up ourselves more and more to you. And also that, Lord, you would take our burden and, and contrite hearts through your Holy Spirit and nourish us and refresh us by this suffering. You who are the true God, you who are eternal life, the only bread from heaven. We pray that we may no longer live in sin, but that Christ may live in us, be in him. O oh Lord, we praise you and give you thanks for all things in your most gracious holy name. Amen.